Today's scripture reading is from the book of Psalms, chapter 138, verses 1 to 8. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. Thank you, Eric, for reading the passage. Uh, As we were singing these praise songs today, I felt like I was going through like memory lane. (laughs) We were singing as we gather, thinking about youth group, college days, and then we were singing forever, I think. uh, And I was reminded of my seminary days, actually. And then I think as we closed with You Alone Can Rescue, I think those are my post-ordination, right after ordination, like uh, my youth group pastor day. So thank you, Abe, for that. Uh, thank you, Lord, for using Abe. And I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes actually when I'm sing, singing praise songs and I sing old songs, I actually really like it uh, because I'm just reminded not just of the song itself, but about God's faithfulness in different times of my life. And so I have my own little moment sometimes during praise. I don't know if you get lost in that stuff, but I do. So anyway... Praise the Lord for that. Let me say a quick prayer before we uh, go into the passage. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for just your amazing grace. Uh, We sang about your steadfast love today, and we sang about how, yes, you are forever, forever, just in so many ways, and just think about how you alone can rescue. Sinners like us, we are just blown away again and again, thinking about who you are. And we pray today, as we approach Thanksgiving season, uh, and we know we're supposed to be thankful, we pray that we could just be reminded again of how good you are and just how much we have to be grateful and thankful for. We pray today as we delve into your word again that you would speak through us, through your word, that you would encourage us, that you would convict us, that you would rebuke us even, and that you would definitely move and stir in our hearts so that we may respond with faith, we may respond with worship unto you. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're in Psalm 138, we're going to be talking about thankfulness, and you know, we're going to Thanksgiving, and my understanding is Pastor Francis will spend the next few weeks talking about more about giving thanks, the importance, and I'm sure... You might be thinking, oh, man, I've heard these sermons so many times. You know, those of you who've been churched and been, you know, Christians for a long time, and yet, at this time of year, we always talk about it because it's so, so important. I remember reading a comic strip as a kid. I think it was Family Circus. I'm not sure which one it was, but I remember I used to like these little comic strips. I remember reading one, and I like this one in particular where there was a family, and they're in, like, a station wagon, and they're going on a road trip, and they're fighting. You know, they're arguing. Like the siblings are in the back, you know, mad at each other. It reminded me of myself when I was a kid, always getting into my sister's space and her getting mad at me. The parents are 
complaining, and there, you know, everybody's yelling at each other, it's raining, everybody's just miserable. And I'm sure all of us can relate to that kind of a road trip. And they're in there, everybody's unhappy, complaining, arguing, miserable. And then, the way I remember it is, I think some car cuts them off or something, and it's like almost a major car accident, and the car like goes off the road, and thankfully, nobody's hurt, right? There's not a huge accident, but very close, very close to a you know, disastrous car accident. And they're on the side of the road. The whole family comes out in the pouring rain, and they're all hugging each other. I love you. Thank God you're alive, right? They're so thankful for their family. They're thankful for their life. They're thankful for just the fact that they could be together. Nobody was injured. And I remember as a kid just looking at that and just cracking up because moments ago, here they were complaining, arguing, right? Yelling, miserable. And then something bad happens or almost bad happens. And now they're so thankful, right? So grateful. Nothing's changed, right? They're still in the rain. They're still on this road trip. They're still in a crowded car. Nothing has actually changed, but what has changed? Their perspective on life, their priorities in life, what is truly important has obviously changed. And I think for us today, that's a good reminder. As we look at this passage, to say, What is my outlook on life? How do I view my life? Is it through the lens of thanksgiving, praise, or is it through the lens of complaint, apathy, right? Is it, you know, the, the cliche, right? Or, you know, is the glass half full or is it half empty? How do I look at my life? And so today we're going to go into this passage, Psalm 138, and really there's three points I want to make. I know... Uh, always three points. I knew one pastor who, who said that he likes three points because we believe in a Trinitarian God. I don't think, I don't want to make a the- theological thing about it. I just think three just, is typically nice. But three points. And the first point is we're called to worship. We're obviously called to worship and give thanks to God. We're called to give thanks, to worship God. But second, why don't we thank God? Right? Why are we not thankful? So first, we're called to give thanksgiving. We all know that. But secondly, knowing that, why am I not thankful? And lastly, why should we give thanks? Right? So we're called to give thanks. Why don't I? And why should I? Really is really what the point here is. And the first thing is, it's kind of obvious. We're called to give thanks. You read the Bible again and again and again. We see words of thanksgiving. Whether it's descriptive or prescriptive, we know we are called to give thanks. You know, one of the uh, most famous verses in the Bible about giving thanks is from 1 Thessalonians 5. And there, what does Paul say? He pray without ceasing. Give, uh, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And then he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Very straightforward. He says, rejoice, pray, and give thanks, not when life is good, only, but he says to give thanks in all circumstances. He says it's the God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'm not going to go into that passage. I believe Pastor Francis might be preaching on that next week, and I'm sure he's going to go much deeper into that. But that's a straightforward command, give thanks. And then we look at this passage of just what, what is David saying? Verse 1, 
I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. How much more clear is that? I give thanks with what? My whole heart. I'm reminded of the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. With my whole heart, with every fiber of my being, I give you praise. I give you thanks. Verse 2, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So we, verse 1, we see more of a private giving thanks. I give thanks with my whole heart. Verse 2 is more corporate. I bow towards your holy temple and give thanks. So what do we see? Privately, corporately. What is David saying? I give thanks. I bow down. I show my thanksgiving and praise to you. I do it with all of my heart, internally, externally, privately, corporately. I give thanks. I have a question. As you are coming to church today, how many of us were really excited to give thanks corporately? When you come to church, do you think about that? Do you come to church thinking, man, I get a chance today to praise God, to give him thanks with the body of Christ. And if we aren't that excited, why aren't we? We should be. And that's what we see with David. He knows he's called to give thanks, but he wants to give thanks privately, corporately. He keeps going. If you look at verse 4, he says, All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. So not, it's not enough for me to give thanks. It's not enough for me to praise everybody, all the kings. You should praise the Lord. You should give thanks. This is a man of God who loves the Lord. He knows how amazing God is, and he wants to give thanks. And here's the thing. David as loved as he was, didn't know everything we know, right? He came before Christ came into the world the first time. He doesn't know clearly the way we do about the cross, about the resurrection. We who know so much more in the new covenant, shouldn't we, even more than David, be praising the Lord, giving thanks to God with our whole heart, privately, but also corporately. Shouldn't we be excited Sunday as we're driving to church, thinking about what songs does Abe have picked out today? We're going to praise the Lord. Is it from the 80s or the 90s? Right? Am I going to go down memory lane again? You know, that's actually a blessing for me. I get the songs ahead of time, and so I'll look at the songs, and then I get kind of excited, thinking, oh, man, we're going to sing that song. And I get excited, and I hope all of us get excited to praise the Lord together, to give thanks. So we're called to worship. We're called to give thanks. But here's the second point. Why don't I? What is the reason we lack thanksgiving and often we complain so much? Or sometimes we complain like actively, but sometimes it's more passive and we just, it's just more apathy. Right? We don't care. I don't want to give thanks. I just don't care about anything. I don't care about life or God. I don't care about my whatever is going on. Or I'm just actively complaining. You know, it's funny. I knew, obviously, today I'm going to be preaching about giving thanks. But first thing in the morning, 
I was not giving thanks. But the first thing I remember in my mind was some form of complaint. Not, I didn't say it to anybody, you know, I didn't, but it was in there. And then, next thing I felt was guilt. What kind of pastor are you? You're talking about Thanksgiving today, and the first thing in your mind is a complaint. So, complaint, guilt, and then, thankfully, by God's grace, the next thing was, was grace. Where I was reminded of my need to repent, but also the, of, of his grace. Why do I complain so much? <clears throat> Why do I not give thanks? Let's think of some reasons. One, we don't want obstacles. Right? We don't want hardship. You know, in the passage, if you look at verse 7, David says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. And he keeps going, and it's clear he has a lot of hardship, a lot of obstacles. But for us, one of the main reasons we don't give thanks is because of the obstacles and the hardships in our lives. Let me read a quote by, uh, by Dr. Paul Tripp. He was a professor of mine also. I, I love reading his stuff. He has a little paragraph here. He says, why do we complain? First of all, we want a life without obstacles. Can you relate to that? We want kids that are self-parenting. I can relate to that. <laughs> We believe that God actually made a mistake in marriage, that sanctification was supposed to be completed before marriage, not after. We want fully glorified people in our lives. I want a wife who thinks I'm summarily wonderful, who agrees with me that I'm always right, who respects my every word. I want a life that's free of suffering and of obstacles. I want no financial problems. Can you relate to that? Very few of us wake up in the morning and say, Lord, you have said in your word that suffering is one of your main tools to complete us. <clears throat> Let me pray for a little more of that today in my life. You are such a good God. One of your greatest gifts is that you have called me to identify with the sufferings of Christ. Bring it on. It doesn't take much to spoil our day. For some of us, a flat tire will do it. We want an obstacle-free life. And that's true. I complain. I don't have thanks when things don't go my way. Whether it's a family thing, a work thing, a church thing, a friend thing, right, a relationship thing, a health thing, whatever it is, go on and on and on. When there are obstacles, we don't want to give thanks. And yet, we see David in the midst of the obstacles, giving praise to the Lord, giving thanks. He had a very difficult life. Yeah, he was king. But if you look at the history of David, many, many hardships in his life. Some from outside, some because of his sinfulness, different things, but through it all, giving thanks. Why? Because God is good. Because God is love. God is grace. And they're going to go more into that. And so that's one reason. What's the second reason? It's a lack of faith. We see here in this passage that David, in the midst of all his hardship, trusts in the Lord. But we lack thanksgiving because we lack faith. We lack trust. You know, sometimes I think of it like this. You know, I, <clears throat> I always tell myself I should work out more, and I don't. And I don't want to really blame about myself. But, I, you know, the times when I, Abe is laughing because he knows that's been true for like 20 years of my life. I used to say I, I donate money to LA Fitness. You know what that means. But 
But you know, you, you know, when I would go, you know, you bench. And I remember, and I used to bench with some brothers, and they would bench a lot more than I would. They'd be in the 200-something pounds, and I would definitely be under that. And you know, after a while, your pride. Like, dude, this guy's lifting like 80 pounds more than me. So one time, I, I told the guy, you know what? I got this. Don't take, don't take it off. And, and he looked at me and said, are you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure. Picked it up. I brought it down. And that was it. <laughs> I, I couldn't get it back up, right? I, I felt really good up to here. And it's like, oh, man. But here's the thing. If the guy behind you at that moment is really strong, and you, know, and you, you can't do anything, and they're able to pick it up, obviously you, you feel safe. But if the person behind me is really weak, I would be scared at that moment, right? I can't pick it up. You can't help me pick it up. And that happens in life with anyone, right? You go see a doctor. If you don't trust that doctor, you're going to be scared. You see a mechanic, and if you don't trust that mechanic, you're scared for your car. If you have a teacher that you don't think is a good teacher, you're scared for your kid. If we know how powerful, how loving, how amazing our God is, then shouldn't we trust him and be thankful to him for loving us and working in our lives? It's logical. But even though we sing songs about how we trust him, how good he is, how powerful he is, how loving he is, what happens? We don't truly believe the things that we claim to believe in our everyday lives. We lack faith. We lack trust. And that is a big reason for our lack of thanksgiving. But thirdly, and I'm going to stop here with this part, what is another reason I don't give thanks? Because we love the things of the world, the created things, so much more than God. You know, if you look at this passage, and in verse 2, and it's verse 1, there's this part where scholars have a lot of debate. I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. And as I was studying this passage, I realized scholars go back and forth. What does that word gods mean? Maybe it's judges and kings. Maybe it's angels. Maybe it's false gods. And there really isn't that much agreement. I've definitely seen respected scholars going different ways with that. I tend to think here before the gods, he's talking about false gods, right? David didn't believe that there was any other God besides God, right? Jehovah, God Almighty, his God. But he knew there were a lot of false gods. And he's saying, before all these false gods, I'm going to declare that I give thanks to you, that I give you praise. Why? Because you are the true God. These false gods, they don't mean anything. We obviously don't have maybe these kind of gods, but we have a lot of things in our lives, they can become idols, false gods, money, success, security, significance, comfort, and on and on and on. Here's the question. Do I love God? Is he the one who is truly my significance, my security? Is he the one that I worship or all these other false gods, what I am worshiping. But here's the problem. If I love money and what it represents, if I love success, if I love approval and comfort, and if these become our idols, our false gods, the things that really make me tick, then I'm not going to give thanks. Because one, I don't trust God to be everything. But secondly, 
I'm not going to always have the money that I want. I'm not going to always have the approval that I want. I'm not going to always have the comfort that I want. And so I'm miserable so often. And we see that these are reasons why we lack thanks. We are created to worship God. That's how our hearts are designed. When we go the other way and worship these false gods, we're going to complain. We're going to lack thanksgiving. And so we have, you know, I could go on and on, but these are some of the reasons we see, I think, really in this passage. Why don't I give, we're called to give thanks. I know that, you know that. Why don't I? Because of the obstacles in my life. Because of my lack of faith. Because of my idolatries. Loving the created things. Well then, why should I give thanks? What are some of the whys? And here, I think you should know maybe a lot of these reasons. And yet I think it's so important that we are reminded of how important these reasons are. What are some things that David tells us? Verse 2, I bow down toward your holy temple. Give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. How amazing is that, right? He gives thanks for his steadfast love and his faithfulness, his covenant love. His grace, his love. God has loved David, and he has been faithful to him. He has kept his promises to him in every situation. He has preserved him, and he has loved him. Here's the thing. Again, as a Christian, I know this. We sang about it today. As we gather, and then we sang about your steadfast love. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. They are new every morning. As a Christian, here's what I know, that I am a sinner bound for wrath, for hell, for condemnation. And what do I know? That because of God's grace, because of his steadfast love, his covenant faithfulness, that the Father sent his only son to take my place, to die on the cross for me, for you, for the people of God, that Christ was forsaken, that he went through hell itself so that the people of God, so you and I could be forgiven and saved. We know that. And then his steadfast love, his covenant love, it continues. But he doesn't just say, okay, I've saved you. Now go figure it out. He is with us every day, every step of the way. He makes promises and he keeps every promise. And the Bible is clear that he's going to be with us throughout all of our lives until we die and then throughout eternity that he is with us, steadfast love. How amazing is that? I don't know about you. I know for me, whenever I'm reminded of someone's love, whether it would be my parents' love, you know, my wife's love, sometimes even my kids' love, although I'm not sure exactly what that love looks like sometimes, but I get so thankful when I'm reminded of these things. How much more when I'm reminded of God's steadfast love, should I be thankful? But not only his love, look at verse 3, on the day I called, you answer me. My strength of my soul, you increase. What we see here is something happened. Something bad happened. David prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered him. When I look at this passage, I think the way it looks to me is, I don't think God answered him the way David wanted. Because he doesn't say, God, you worked in my life and you figured it out for me. He 
He says, you answer me, my strength of soul, you increase. The way I look at it, it looks like David wanted something. Maybe it's maybe some kind of hardship to be taken away, but it almost looks to me like it wasn't taken away, but what did God do? He gave him the strength of soul to endure it. Here's what I know. God always answers our prayers. Always. He always answers our prayers. I know sometimes we think God's not listening. I don't know if you've had this experience. I had where I'm praying, and I just feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling and coming right back. And I pray, and I pray, and I'm like, God, where, where is your answer? I don't do this anymore. I remember when I was in high school, I went through my like, dramatic stage of life, and I remember just like sitting on the staircase at my church and just looking at the stars. God, are you there? And talking to him. It was like, very dramatic. I don't know why I did it like that. But at the time, it just felt the right things to say. Maybe you've had that experience. God, are you listening? Here's what I know. God hears my prayers. He answers my prayers. And I think it's either yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait. But here's what I know, that he hears my prayers, and he will always answer. He will always strengthen my soul. He may not always answer the way I want him to, but here's what I know, that whatever answer he has for me, whether it's a no, yes, wait, that is the answer that I need. That the answer to my prayer is always going to be better than what I even wanted, even though I can't understand sometimes why or what. But we give thanks that we have a God who loves me so much, is covenant faithfulness, a steadfast love, who hears my prayers, who answers my prayers. You look at verse 6. He says, the Lord is high. He regards the lowly. How amazing is that? God is God, and he has regard for me. What am I? Who am I that God should be mindful of me? That's what the psalmist says too. Who am I in Psalm 8? That God is mindful of man, of woman. I don't know if you ever thought about that. You know, I've heard people you know, tell me that they're a big fan of some athlete or some, you know, some music star or actor, and they talk, and they get, like, really, really emotional. They get really, really, you know, into it. They go, oh, I love so-and-so, and they'll be like, and sometimes they'll use the word we, you know, as in, like, they'll relate to whatever athlete or movie star or singer. Sometimes I tell that person, you know, they don't even know you exist. If you went up to that favorite movie star of yours, they'd be like, who are you? Right? Because they don't know you. And I think sometimes we feel like that with God. God, you're so high, you're so mighty, you're so lofty. And we think, does he really care about my dumb little problem? Does he really care about the, the nuances of my life, my minute things? He's got, a, he's got a whole universe to take care of. He's got billions of people on this earth that he's overseeing, right? He's got so much going on. Does my little problem, does it even matter? And here's what we know, that God cares about every little thing in our lives. He is high, but he has regard, loving regard even for the lowly, for the humble. And then we see in the passage, 
Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Your right hand delivers me. Says, you will fulfill your purpose for me. Right, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And so what do we see? He's protecting me. He's preserving me. He's delivering me. He's fulfilling his purpose. You know what that means? That means he's never going to give up on me. One of the hardest things in life is that we have to always measure up. I don't know if you ever feel that way, but life sometimes feels like you got to earn. You got to earn love. You got to earn approval. Whether sometimes even with family, friends, obviously at work, at school, even in maybe in your own neighborhood, you feel like you have to prove yourself all the time as a person to everyone. Even people that you've known for years, sometimes you have to reprove yourself. You have to earn. And I've talked to, you know, even spouses where, you know, one spouse will tell me, you know, I know we've been married for a while, but I feel like I have to earn my, my wife, my husband's approval. And that's hard. I've talked to children who say it's so hard because no matter what I do, I'm not good enough for my dad. I've rarely heard that about moms, but definitely a lot of dads, right? I'm not good enough. I have to earn. It's so hard for him to say, good job. And so it's hard, but here's what we know. We have a God. If I'm a Christian, we have a God who not only saves me, he loves me, and no matter what, no matter how badly I mess up, no matter if I don't do things the right way, his love is never taken away. If I'm a child of God, he will always love me. His love will never be dependent upon what I've done, but he will love me to the max because Christ died for me. He took my place. He has covered me with his righteousness, and so I know that as a child of God, he not only loves me, he will fulfill his purpose for me. He will never give up on me, and until the day I'm with him for all eternity, he's going to work in me, conforming me more into the image of Christ. And lastly, he says here, do not forsake the work of your hands. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. How amazing is that? Not only did you save me, God. Not only did you forgive me. Not only am I adopted as a child of God. You're working in my life. You're with me, walking with me always. And you're never going to give up on me. You're making me more and more like Christ. You will never forsake me. You will always be with me. Because Christ went to the cross. He was forsaken so that we could be forgiven and loved. And God is always with us. And as we think about these amazing truths, of scripture, let us give thanks, for truly he is good. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again, for you are good, so good. We thank you. 
for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We thank you that you preserve, that you deliver your people. We thank you that you never forsake your people. And we pray today that as we are reminded yet again who you are, all that you do, that we will respond with trust, with joy, with worship, and thanksgiving unto you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's all right.